church. Well, today is the first day of Advent. Of course, I'm all dressed up because <laughs> I am in, baby. I'm all the way in. And if you want to know more about Advent and how to make these days holy, you can check it out on Simply Holy. But today, for some reason, I have become the spokeswoman for Advent, and I feel great about that. Um, today is the first day of Advent, and the theme is joy. We, as a community, are a bit new to the formal celebration of Advent, yet we are catching up really fast. Advent is a time of waiting. I can't give a date to it, but the first time we hear mention of a Messiah, though it's not in so many words, is in the garden. After the fall, when God is laying out the consequences that would face mankind, he curses the snake and metaphorically Satan with these words. You and the woman will be enemies, and your offspring and her offspring will be enemies. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Oh, I almost messed up here. Bear with me, my pages. These are my grandma print pages. Have you seen this? Can you read it from there? Now you know what's happened to my eyes. Okay. But there's a lot. It's like 10 pages to say four paragraphs of stuff. Okay. It was from that day that man was made aware that there will be something to come. From the garden, the long journey of waiting began. Some waited consciously, others in complete ignorance. Yet we are formally introduced to the wait when Abraham is told that he will be, quote, the father of many nations and that through his descendants, all nations of the earth would be blessed. From there, throughout thousands of years and exactly 42 generations, prophecy about the coming Messiah is plentiful. God's people were waiting in eager expectation and longing. It was then, after those 42 generations, that God sent John the Baptist to prepare the way for the Messiah. He was the one prophesied by Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And thus began the first advent, thousands of years coming to fruition. Jesus was coming, and come he did. Turning the world upside down, he became the turning point in history, taking us from B.C. to A.D. with only his brief 33 years on the planet. And now here we are, 2,000 years later, participating in the second advent, the wait for the second coming of Christ. Even saying those words, the second coming, can bring up thoughts of those who have long sought to predict the end of the world, warning that it would come on a certain date. Or perhaps it brings images of the many movies made about the apocalypse with amazing graphics and CGI battle scenes. Yet participating in Advent is not about predicting end times. It's about changing your current time. It's heeding the urging of John to prepare the way for the Lord. It is an active waiting. Over the next four weeks, we have the opportunity to practice this active waiting. We have an opportunity to really take inventory of our lives and assess if we are ready for Jesus to come. Of course, as Christians, we know we should always be ready, as Jesus warned repeatedly while he was with us. Yet as the year plods on we can surely begin to wane in our hope of Christ's return. We can look around at the injustice and the bitterness and the very 
lostness of our world and become despondent. In a world of ever-growing hatred, it can appear that godlessness is surely going to win. But Advent reminds us that the battle has already been won. Jesus has already crushed the head of the serpent. The great epic battle has already been fought, and the victor is clearly established as Jesus Christ. And for now, as Satan has been allowed to keep his POW camp here on earth, we wait. Not as the world waits, always waiting for a solution to this political problem or this social injustice, waiting for a man-made solution to all the ails. No, we don't wait as the world waits. We wait as those who have hope, a blessed hope. We wait as those knowing they are on the winning side of the war. The peace treaty has already been signed, and we are but victorious POWs waiting for the gates to be opened so that we can return home to God. That is our hope. Over the next four Sundays, we will have an opportunity to light the candles of Advent and gather together to celebrate this great wait. As our spiritual ancestors have for thousands of years, while we are together, we'll get a chance to join with all creation in singing praises to our God. Music has long been the language of God, and all the more at Christmas time. Through the years, beautiful and profound carols have been written to lead our hearts and minds in worship during this glorious time, and it is a wonderful tradition. Yet, as it is with tradition, sometimes they come with them the dangers of familiarity. We hear the familiar tunes, and honestly, the words can be shockingly similar to Charlie Brown's teacher's voice, wah, 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 wah. But I consider this a great tragedy considering the opportunity that is stolen to sing such profound theology and praise to God, the God of all creation. Because of this, we have set our hearts on bringing these old hymns to you this season in a way that will possibly open our ears to hearing the lyrics again. Each week we'll focus on one carol, and rather than sing it in the traditional style, Jay and I will play it while the words will appear on the screen for your reflection and meditation. Last year we did this with O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and this is exactly our starting place for this year. This truly is the consummate Advent carol. speaks of Israel's longing for God to save them from their exile and ransom them from the enemy. This is the same exile that each of us have experienced following our own ways and devices, landing us in that lonely place where we were finally able to cry out, God, if you're there, please help me. Many of us remember that initial prayer before God sent an angel to reach out to us and invite us to church. We remember also learning that the ransom had been paid already and that Jesus' life had been given in our stead. This was the joy that sprang from our sorrow. This old hymn has such a great way of portraying this. And the way it begins in the mournful minor key and yet springs forth with a major tonality just at the word rejoice. It is a beautiful reminder that in the midst of our most painful seasons, God provides a hope even in pain. We need only look for it. 
In addition, it is a call to all of us POWs not to forget that even though the landscape is bleak and our battles are reaching all around us, the war itself has been won, and we are but waiting our release. Let's worship together. <laughs> 